Signals optimal? You seem behind me then, because I'm... What's your time? I'm at 9, 10, I mean, 11. You're gonna, it's never going to be perfectly aligned. We're on different coasts. We are. We are. New York and L.A. Hey, here's a poll for the listeners online. Reply to our Twitter poll. We'll post uh, New York or L.A., which is a better city. We're going to finally make a decision. I promise to move to whichever one's worse. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I feel like... The thing I've noticed, I'm back in L.A. right now. I've just spent uh, two months away on work. Um, and the thing I've noticed is no matter where you go, there's an unsaid rule in America that you're allowed to make fun of L.A. and hate it. <laughs> like, there's no other city that's quite like that, I feel like. Where, like, I'll just talk to people in, like, Alaska where I just was or in Pittsburgh where I was before. And I'll be like, I'm from L.A. And they'll be like, oh, I hate it there. That city's a piece of shit. <laughs> I was like trying to like imagine like meeting someone from like New Orleans or like Cleveland or something. Oh, you can't you can't do it for New Orleans. No, they, no, not for I New just Orleans. think they'd like get upset. And like when people say that to me about L.A., I'm just like, OK, OK, boss. I mean, it's it's fair. It's the it's got one thing going for it. It's the phony baloney movie business, the Hollywood elite. Yeah, it's fucking jackoffs making shitty movies. They're making another Shrek. I mean, come on. I'm so sick of all these sequels and reboots. Mm -hmm. So welcome to podcast two, the sequel. This is our podcast about sequels, everything sequels. We're talking number twos, number threes, number fours. You know, mostly number twos though. It's taking a lot of number twos. I, I try to take one a day. Where are you at? I'm on two lately. I'm on like 1.5. It's like midday at work. I'll, What's you a know, point I, five? I, I, what is a point five? Like it's not a full log, but it's like a, there's some there's some I stuff coming out. I think you got out. log yeah. action. That is a full two. It's not a full log. I mean, it's like you know, it's like pebbles or whatever. I don't You're know. Doing I don't really eat right. I don't eat right, Max. I know. I don't take care of my body. I know. There's a reason why I'm sick again. <laughs> like I was on our first episode. What did you have for which we delayed dinner tonight? We. Tonight, well, I didn't. I wouldn't call it dinner because I woke up at. Um, I'm not as pathetic as I'm about to sound, but I did wake up at like 6 p.m. today, and uh, um, I made bacon uh, that I bought when I was drunk last night coming home, and then I uh, just put that on a grilled cheese that I made. Uh, I drained most of the grease from the from the pan. That'll clog you up. Uh, I'm not feeling not clogged. The good thing is I don't do that too often. I, I try to mix up. I do eat horribly often, but it's usually not bacon lately. Yeah, yeah. Bacon will... I guess I had bacon, I had bacon on pizza on Friday. Yeah. We're going to... Got to take... Uh, we're going to get your life cleaned up, one podcast at a time. So we should say this is a podcast about sequels. Um, we're talking about what makes them work what makes them not work. It's not just like talking about them though. We are actively trying to write sequels each episode to famous films, adding to the anthologies of different film series or giving film sequels that never had one like this week. So I am Max. I'm a writer and a producer based in LA, as you heard. 
I'm Sam. I'm a writer and director and I guess editor is my real job uh, based in New York. And uh, we're the podcast two of podcast two. Do you think when we start our production company someday, can we get a bathroom where we have like two toilets right next to each other so we can keep writing as we're taking our twos? I've actually had that before in kindergarten. The the bathroom had two toilets and you just take a shit next to another kid. It was pretty sick. Was there a, a, do you mean stalls? Do you mean? No, there weren't, there was no stalls. It was just a little room. It was a. It was like a private. It was like this, like hippie school. Okay, we have in to talk town. about this for the rest of the episode. You, you, you would. Your toilets were like next to each other, directly next with to no each other. No walls. It was like so. It was it was shared between the preschool room and the kindergarten room. So sometimes you go in there, like when I was in preschool, I'd go in there and like you just meet, you just meet a new, you'd meet one of the big kids, and this would be your first time meeting them, and they'd just be taking a shit next to you, and you'd be like, okay, and you just sit there, and you both would take shits, and then you'd be like. Or at least for the beginning of preschool, you know, I was like, you'd yell like, I need my butt wiped. Time to wipe my butt. And your teacher would come in and wipe your little butt. Uh, with the kindergartners, they kind of judge you. They're like, baby, needs your butt wiped. I don't know. They w- it, was, it was definitely a few years ago. It's hard for me to recall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you ever intimidated? Like when the older kids were in there? Like, was it ever scary? Yeah, I think so. I think I can recall that for sure. A little bit of intimidation. Wow. Yeah. That's. But yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it would bring us closer. I don't think we're close enough. Yeah, I think that would bring us closer. You know what? I don't think I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, um, but I, as a kid, for some reason, my parents found it easier to teach me how to wipe standing up, and then just like <laughs> kind of like put me out to pasture. They were like, "Okay, you can do the bathroom on your own now," but like never explained to me that that's not normal. And it wasn't until I was like. 16 or 17 years old that I was like in a stall and I'd gotten tall enough now that like my head started to poke over and I remember <laughs> remember asking one of my friends who was also tall I was like isn't it so awkward like when you have to wipe and your head sticks up over the stall and he was like what <laughs> like no and I was like well do you like duck down or you like do you like crouch He's like, I sit on the toilet like a normal person. What? And that it was like this like Jaws Hitchcock zoom shot moment for me of like, what? Is this not normal? And I remember going home. God, I was like 16 too. And I like asked my family. I was like, is this not normal? And they're like, of course that's not normal. You were supposed to stop doing that the second we let you into the bathroom by yourself. But no one ever explained it to me. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I get it. I mean, that's probably why they had us share a room when when, when I was in preschool, so you could learn your social skills and do it right. You started networking early. Gotta be, gotta be networking. You know, your net worth is your network. I mean, your network is your network. Hustle culture, as they say. Hustle culture, rise and grind. Blah, we blah, blah. are hashtag rise and grinders. That's why we are. We got a call today from the head of Paramount Pictures, um, Paramount Robert Plus Backish. Um, New guy, new guy, new, new guy called us. He's um, he's a good old boy. He gave us a call, and they are interested in doing a sequel to their film from the 1990s, Event Horizon. Event Horizon, one of my favorites. I know it well. Yeah, it's um, I had never seen this movie before. We got this call, but it's. As Sam said, one of his faves. Um, talk about your history with this, dude. 
Yeah, I uh, I saw this. This is actually our mutual friend uh, from college. Shout out Anthony Ciceri. I was like developing my senior thesis film, talking, and I was, you know, I really wasn't a big horror movie kid. Like I was into Alien and stuff, but I wasn't a big horror movie kid growing up. And senior year in high school or senior year of college, I was like, I'm gonna dive into horror. I think that this is gonna be a really important part of my toolkit as like a genre filmmaker. And um. I started studying and trying to just sort of craft, like by making a horror movie and learning what is this genre, uh, I did. And he suggested it because it was similar to what I was exploring in terms of like multiversal horror. And um, I watched it and it was just the coolest thing. I mean, you know, it's certainly corny and like I definitely would say in the third act, it kind of starts to dwindle for me, but uh, it is good. It's, it's, especially that first act, I think it's just so good and it's, it's it's just gorgeous. The production design is just yeah. It was a huge influence to me on that film, which and then a lot of those ideas have carried over to this feature that we're working on right now, in post. And uh, I mean, watching it again, I was like, oh yeah, this is where I got a lot of ideas from. But uh, I was surprised you liked it. I I really didn't think I really thought this was gonna be one of those ones that you hated. Why did you think I was gonna hate it? Uh, I mean, you hate sci-fi jargon. It's it's a very sci-fi movie. Um, you and it's a it's very corny horror. Uh, but I guess watching it, I was like, oh, I get why Max would like this because you told me you liked it before I rewatched it today, and I was like, oh, okay, like I could see how this could click. But it is it could have been hit or miss. It's very it's very sci-fi. Yeah, I'd say as I get older, I'm finding more like patience for sci-fi in general, but just like for films in general i just like kind of appreciate all kinds more and more it's weird it's uh i'm i'm not like narrowing in i'm like expanding out yeah this movie is a great little thriller i don't know that i'd watch it again but it's um the production design is incredible when you see physical sets and like you question to yourself like literally the gateway prop that spinning orb in this film is it just makes me wonder it's it's fun to watch something and be like how did they build that how'd they get that to work yeah how much of that is real yeah it it looks it looks very real like it's probably some combination of miniatures and other things like that but it works so well it looks so good yeah i mean at first i thought this was just going to kind of be a an alien knockoff which in some ways there's ways in which it is it almost was that was the thing i was uh the original script when it was handed over to Paul W.S. Anderson, hot off the heels of uh, his Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it was an alien movie. It was There were these like tentacle aliens, and he was like, he said uh, to him, there is only one alien, and that's the alien from Alien. And so he didn't want to do an alien movie. So instead of doing a, a slasher in space, they turned into a haunted house in space. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I mean, he, I think the screenwriter described the story of pitching this and it is such a like story from a different era of Hollywood. He had an overall deal with Paramount based off of like a spec script and he had a meeting where he pitched them. What if we did the shining in space? And they said, great, you have a year to write it. And then he missed the deadline, (laughs) but because the executive really believed in him, um, he got it out like six months later and, uh, and then they were like, and then did you read the story that this, the only film that they had on the horizon, speaking of James Cameron was Titanic. 
Um, but Titanic wow. was getting so delayed that they had to move it from a summer release to a winter release, I'm pretty sure. And so they had this block open suddenly for this weekend in August. And so they went to Paul W.S. Anderson and said, we will green light this movie for you if you can deliver it beginning to end in 10 months. The entire process of from pre-production to wrapping posts was 10 months, even with all that VFX. So crazy. Because of that tight turnaround, they weren't able to get the top production designers you would normally get for this type of thing. Um, It was like a young guy, right? It was like kind of a a up-and-comer. Yeah, I'm looking up his name. He hasn't done much else. Yeah, Joseph Bennett. Like, he did this incredible work. Like, this is on par to me with Blade Runner or Alien in terms of, like, a genuinely original sci-fi take. Like, I love this gothic stone look, you know? And then after this, like, all he really did was... He did this movie, Deep Blue Sea, which I've heard of, and the TV show Rome, and then, like, kind of doesn't have many credits since then. wonder what happened. wonder if he's did not play ball, or did he fuck up? Maybe he, who knows? But uh, if, he's, if he's a good guy, you know, which I would assume, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, he just, maybe he got, he wanted to focus on his family, but it's been 30 years or so. Let's bring him back for the new one. We're bringing him back for the new one, because he deserves We're him back. it. Like that, the like, the gateway set piece, the, um, that hallway. That hallway was the one that I was like, how'd they do that? Yeah. Because that, the 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 rotating cylinders of like cheese graters that these like looks like a meat grinder it's like that i mean i must have been miniature or something um, no that was a real full set because i was reading that they couldn't film those handheld like they wanted to because the camera operators would fall down in there so they had to do it on sticks because with that swirling around them they would like lose their horizon and start to get dizzy Whoa. Yeah. What are some of your favorite sequences in this? Um, I love that scene where, just like where uh, Sam Neill kind of becomes, like the beginning of him really becoming evil. And he's like marching towards the door. And uh, they're like, they're doing this like inner cutting of like, they're, they're shooting on like two Dutch angles and they're cutting between them as the camera gets closer and closer to him. That was so cool to me when I first saw it, when I was like 21. I, and I was like, oh, that's like, that's how you make a fucking horror movie. That's sick. Like, I, I remember being blown away. I mean, it's funny because this, this would be one of these, like, first horror movies I watched that really, really clicked with me. Because um, you go through a lot of the classics and, like, they're, you know, they're, especially as a younger man, they're older and stuff. And this one really worked on me. And um, just in that beginning scene where Sam Neill's shaving and they just do the hard cut, like, right as the straight razor hits his throat and they hard cut to, like, these, like, metallic like blinds slashing open it was just like oh like this is how you just you can just create this very uncomfortable tone just throughout it but i mean the whole first act of them like discovering it and going on to it for the first time and them hearing the recording and i love the part where they finally see the video of of the former crew like ripping each other's eyes out and Lawrence fishburne just goes we're leaving it's like yeah good (laughs) it's so smart uh it's a fun little movie. Yeah, yeah. I was blown away by the airlock sequence with the like young it engineer did. kid. Yeah. You know, that was genuinely 
frightening to me the like the because like most movies would approach that as like you enter the airlock you hit the button and then you just like explode i don't know if this is more this is probably less scientifically accurate but the like slow countdown of it happening in slow motion and like watching the blood seep out of his eyes in no gravity and like his veins starting to burst out of his arms it was genuinely gripping and kind of sick that they don't actually kill him that it's like this horrifying like what happened to his organs like he's like on life support he's like twitching and like writhing on the ground like freaking out it's like so gross Mm -hmm. no i think it was like the first act of this almost everything up until the midpoint being i would call the airlock sequence probably the midpoint of this where it's like oh that's when the mission shifts to like we're leaving um the first half of this is just so masterfully done because not only does it raise questions of like what's going on here what is this ship what happened to the old crew but like it raises diverse questions like i wrote down you're seeing these seeming hallucinations of like bloodied people in horrifying situations the crew has been dismembered and killed in an extremely gory like strange way that's different from the gory like hallucinations you're seeing and like the ship's not quite working and it makes like their ship it like blows up theirs you know and this gate opens up and you're like what's inside the gate like the questions are seemingly related to each other like what is the gate um what's inside of the gate what happened to the crew why isn't the ship working why are people seeing these hallucinations but it's so confident in its filmmaking Mm-hmm. That you're like, I know these are all going to get answered and put together, and I am on the ride now to figure out why these fit together. It's it's quite good. And so wonder what happened. I mean, why did, like, how did Paul W.S. Anderson hand this in, and then, like, this is, like, kind of regarded as his best film, and that it was all downhill from here. Like, I don't, I've never, well, I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched an entirety of a Resident Evil film, but I've definitely watched, like, chunks of it on TV and stuff, and I'm always like, this is not really fun. It's, it's cool, I guess. Yeah. That's your thing. Well, he, it, yeah, his career is interesting. I think he would have a completely different career right now if he had, if this had been a hit. Oh, this this was a flop. Right, right, right. His first feature is, like, there's this movie called Shopping, 1994. It's seemingly like it lives in that like Quentin Tarantino, Weinstein era, 90s indie film landscape, you know, like getting some like up and coming movie stars to do some like crime things. And the- Somehow he goes from that to doing Resident Evil, not Resident Evil, to doing Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. That's almost like feels like a a 90s version of like the Marvel move where it's like get this mm-hmm. young hotshot indie guy to do like a big tent pole mm-hmm. and then that goes so well that they are like you can make whatever you want and unlike mm-hmm. the Marvel directors nowadays he makes this bold ambitious crazy movie and it flops and then he just kind of becomes a Hollywood journeyman does the Resident Evil. You know, I feel like he's also in the... Infor- I think his career could have been way different if it weren't for the fact that there were two other 
big Anderson directors rising up at the exact same decade as he was, and one of them literally being Paul Anderson. And so he, because he was just Paul Anderson, and then there was, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson really strikes on the scene with Boogie Nights and Magnolia and all that. And then, uh, then there's Wes Anderson. He's like, oh, that's, but he, like, it's a funny thing where it's like, yeah, if he had been a few years earlier, a few years later, one of those guys would have just not done the Anderson thing, probably. They would have just been like, I'm Wes. I'm just Wes. <laughs> a film by Wes. Uh, he's the worst one. Like, he, he, he got shooting and he's like, oh, you're the shitty genre one. We're going to make you make video game movies. But, He's a wife guy. He loves his wife, Mila Jojovich, so much. Puts her in every single one of his movies once they once they linked up. Uh, and uh, good for them. I think their last movie together was uh, Monster Hunter, which flopped here, panned, but it was a big hit in China. I think he made a good amount of money off that puppy. Um, I wish him the best. I'd love to see him come back, maybe reunite with this screenwriter, and maybe we'll get them on for, uh, or maybe not the screenwriter, because we'll write it. Maybe we'll bring him back for this new one. Yeah. I would love to bring and him if back. Not, yeah, if not, I, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll do it myself if he's not down. It's my cross to bear. That's uh, that's that's really giving of you, man. You know, what's your directing yeah, just, rate? Uh, I'll do like five hundred dollars. <laughs> that's uh, that's gonna be a little steep. They're used they're used <laughs> to our writing rate. They're used to us getting to split the two fifty. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I I'm maybe we can have paul on the pod someday because we'll be like i would love paul on the pod paul we covered one of your movies before either of the other andersons yeah like that's we re- i respect the hell out of this dude this is it's a really well directed movie it's really impressive yeah it's uh it's a bummer it wasn't a bigger hit i would have loved to see if this was what his career was like this was the template for the rest of his films well let's talk about that as we start to shift into this like why do we think it didn't connect. Well, it's a tough time, and I'm sure marketing wasn't quite on it, you know. Uh, but uh, I mean, what what was the, this? Is after Jurassic Park, right? It was this pre Jurassic Park. This was after Jurassic Park. So Sam Neill's like, you know, he's cashing in. He's got he's he's a big enough star. People like him. Uh, this is before the Matrix, I'm guessing, right? This is way Lawrence before Fishburne the looks pretty young. Yeah, way before the Matrix, or only two years before the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, those are the two biggest stars. Like, I don't really recognize anyone else particularly. Of course, I'm terrible with faces and actors. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it is like we love it because we love these sort of classic horror movies. But maybe it was just not. I don't know, on paper you would think it would work. It's a classic horror movie in a new with a new twist and it's fun. But maybe it just looked silly, you know, to audiences at the time in the cynical nineties. Yeah, I th- well, I don't know if it's looked silly. I think I was thinking about this because I was thinking about having to do the sequel, obviously, today, because that's what we're getting hired to do. And I think it's part of what's really interesting about it, but probably made it a hard sell was like, we as humans are stupid and have a way easier time latching onto a threat that is like a physical thing that is right in front of us. But also that you can like literally put on t-shirts that you can make into action figures. You know, it's like Michael (laughs) Myers is a very simple threat to understand. Freddy Krueger is a very simple threat to understand. Even Alien, the thing that it was trying to avoid being like it has the alien um is it 
I think the only thing, and it's what it was based around kind of, that was a huge hit that's remotely similar is The Shining. Can you think of anything else that's like so psychological? I mean, there's, you know, the 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 whole pantheon of great uh, haunted house movies. I've seen a few. I can't remember their names even anymore. Like that old, it's definitely like in, in line with like older stuff, like the older haunted house tropes, I would say. But like, which The Shining's playing off of. Haunted, but like, did those haunted house, and specifically haunted house stuff where there is not, there is never a physical manifestation of the haunt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- but I think that's what it is. It's like the house is haunted. There is there is spirits in this house. There are ghosts in this world, and uh, it comes out. I remember when I saw this one. It less so now. I mean, today I was watching it like on my laptop while I was sort of walking around the apartment making food and coffee and stuff. But I was like, this movie to me was the, one of the scariest movies I'd ever seen for a while. Um, you know, the, the, I would still put this up in terms of like first viewing. Like, was I like actually scared? Like, did it work on me? Like, absolutely. And those torture sequences, I think partially because it's it's not like torture porn like a lot of like you know the the torture porn genre is it's teased out but like those flashes you see are some of the most grotesque nasty shit yeah um like i've ever seen put to film especially in such a well done uh like hollywood narrative it's a scary movie i mean and sound design and everything about it just it works most i mean there's some jump scares that fall flat for me every time this is probably a third time watching it but it's a good i don't know it should i think it should have done better i wonder if it was just a bad summer yeah, bad release. It, I, I mean, it, it's th- certainly probably a hard movie to sell. You know, it's you know, how do you? I think I saw the trailer. wasn't wasn't something to write home about. Yeah, even though it's coming from a place of like haunted house tropes, there hadn't been a lot of successful stuff like that in the preceding twenty years prior to this. You mm-hmm. know, and I think the thing that The Shining had that this doesn't is like it, it had the most famous movie star in the world going crazy that's a sell this it's just it's it's the threat is a little nebulous and a little hard to understand Mm -hmm. at least if you're pitching to like your cousin jimbo right right and i think that's part of what's interesting about it to me is like you'll lose your mind in here you'll all kill each other you'll tear each other's eyes out but that's hard to explain like through word of mouth yeah, and that's what I think always excited me about the movie the most was like the um, the explanation and the, the science fiction behind it. And it, this is also I think this is before there had been a lot of big m- movies about like parallel universes, especially in a horror context. Um, this is you know there was it was it wasn't like now where like every weekend we've got a new multiverse movie hashtag the Flash, which I didn't realize had two Ezra Millers in it, which is so funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's tricky, but that's what makes it so cool. Uh, but I, it's become a cult, a cult classic since then. Um, you talk to so many people and they'll bring up this movie. I think it did well on VHS and it did great on streaming over the years. Um, Kurt Russell was right. He, while well, he was working on Paul W.S. Anderson's next movie with him, he, uh, this movie had just bombed while they were shooting it, and he sat down to watch it, and he said, someday you're going to be proud you made this movie, kid. You know, like, that's, it's it's going to take time, but people will see. And they did. It's, uh, they did. it's a cult classic. And now they want they more. They greenlit a sequel. It's time to go. It's time to go.
So, um, where do we where we left off at the end of Event Horizon One? Almost everyone's dead. Lawrence Fishburne suicide bomb to save the day. We got that woman. Do you know her name? Her that actress or the character? It's like Lance or something. Peters. No, Stark. 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 So Stark's alive. The and Cooper. The, Cooper, Stark and Cooper. Good, um, honestly good, uh, good two people to have left over, but I'm immediately going to pitch. They don't matter enough to bring them back. Like, I think all new cast. Like, the star of the, if, with, with Fishburne dead and Sam Neill dead, it's like, what's the point? Sam Neill's not necessarily dead. Sam Neill, Sam, so I think Sam Neill is definitely coming back. I think Sam Neill is our big bad. Okay. Um, I'm I'm down to bring back Sam Neill. Yeah, Sam Neill's back. I yeah, I think that we could we'll see where we go with this, but I think there could very well be a moment where it would make sense for them to, whoever our new cast is, whatever their goal is. I think that they could be like, there needs to be a sequence where they need to talk to the last person who was on the event horizon, and it's one of these guys, if not both of them, mm-hmm. uh, at some point. And you know, she can be if it's her or him. You know, they're haunted by it or they're repressing it, and they like won't talk about it. And it's a whole challenge to get the truth out of them. And they tell them like, "Don't go in there. Don't go in there." And then they're gonna go in there. And so, what I think this movie is, it's like, yeah, new cast, new like science team. You're gonna see a lot of. I mean, this film's hugely influential on on me and the stuff I've written. Uh, over the last few years and uh, it'll so I'm gonna fall into a lot of my same tropes I think but whatever uh, I do think that it's a new science team and I think that their goal is they're gonna go into this hell like the, by the end of the movie they go in there uh, like Event Horizon Event Horizon is all about like hell bleeding over into our world and in this one haunted spaceship we're like on the verge of hell I think in this one we do we do a bunch of that for sure but like third act, we take it to the next level and we go inside and we meet the devil and the devil is Sam Neill now. He's been, you know, he's risen to the top. He's consumed. He's become one with the dark lord of this world and he's our big bad. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I mean, this is our first horror sequel we have to do and it's like, as I started to think about it, it has me very aware of like why horror sequels are so hard. You know, because I think they're a lot like comedy sequels in that, like, they're the more conceptual they are, the more high concept a project is, which this is a very high concept project, the harder it is to do a sequel that both delivers something new for people um, and also delivers them more of what they liked before because repeating the concept inherently just makes it repetitive, you know? And it's like this funny thing where horror, especially, is this genre where people go in because they have a fear of the unknown because they want to go into something new something a weird world that scares them that they they know nothing about you know they they want to get spooked by something unknown and sequels inherently trade off of a known commodity off of going into something where you know what you're going to get you know what the beats are going to be you know what you're going to be dealing with and those two things battle each other i think it's why horror movies inherently horror franchises inherently become more comedic as they go you know the nightmare on elm streets of the world the screams of the world the leprechauns yeah yeah i think so yeah 
Well, so there's, I mean, I think that going back to comparing this to Alien, one, the smart thing our buddy Jim Camera did is uh, not try to just make a horror sequel. He was like, no, this next one, like, we'll maintain, like, there's plenty of horror elements throughout that movie. Aliens has, you know, horror scenes that are up there with the original, but that one's full on, like, we're going to take this in a different direction. We're going to make this an action movie. And I mean, there is a world where we could take that path because... This first one is as very as a lot of action movie DNA in it. it it's got a big action set pieces. It's built around fist fights and punches and all that stuff. So we could lean more into that. Um, it could be like an, hell is invading our world and we need to do like a Starship Troopers kind of thing against it. Um, could be interesting. I don't know. What's your? But sounds like you've got a big pitch ready. What do you got? I've got an idea. I do want to laugh that. Um... You can tell that we both really like this movie because we're just straight up not making jokes. <laughs> this has been like 20 straight minutes of us being like, yeah, this part's really good. Yeah, yeah this is... Uh, Dude, it's been 40 minutes. Yeah. It's been 40 minutes of us just talking about how... Like, it's just the twist and stuff. I really thought this was going to be an episode where I was going to come in and like, event rides and so good and you go like oh why'd you make me watch that fucking bullshit oh i don't know man what do we, we could we do a different movie as a sequel <laughs> yeah we're both we're both just like so like hushed tones like okay so we we have to do really good at this one like there's a lot on the line here you know like oh dude if paul, paul if paul listens to this like this this could be this could make or break our careers Obviously, we should get to work because we have like one hour to do this um, until uh, the CEO of Paramount, who I definitely remember his name, Robert Plussy. Robert Backish. Um, once, once Mr. Plussy comes, once Mr. Backish comes, um, we got to be ready to go. This is a new CEO. I think it's a very, it's an interesting business strategy we have that we get phone calls from some of the biggest CEOs in America, and then we procrastinate our pitches until like an hour before they're coming. And then <laughs> we're like, you know what we should do while we work out our idea we're going to pitch? We should record it and make it publicly available to everyone. You know, it's... Uh... This is how the best screenwriter writing's done. It's like Matt Grenning, who, despite his choices in his personal life, being on the Epstein jet and everything, he came up with The Simpsons in the room before he pitched it. He drew it on a cocktail napkin. Boom, boom, boom. J.K. Rowling, despite her personal choices in her life, uh, she came up with Harry Potter on a cocktail napkin right before turning it into Scholastic Books or whatever. We, we don't have a lot uh, of cocktail napkins, and we're also... I got toilet paper right here that I've been using to blow my nose. I got a roll of the, the cheap uh, Charmin single-ply, or Scott, I believe, wow. is the brand. So if we jot down yeah. an idea on there, we too can become extremely problematic writers someday that people we despise. Could... <laughs> Okay, so I do have a pitch. Let's hear it. Um, I think we should take a note from James Cameron and Jim Camera. Do a new genre, or like bring a bring a new yeah. genre element into this because absolutely, if we try to recreate a psychological horror haunted house thing, you're just going to follow the same beats. Is it? Is it? Um, when thinking about the protagonist of this, the obvious answer to me is like a very classic trope right now in like modern reboots where it's like, oh, you you pick someone that was obsessed with the tragedy of the event horizon. Like they've always wanted is to it? go back. They're literally, they're a surrogate for being a fan of the movie, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe we can do that. I'd love to like not do that. I think that is a trope kind of now. Um, mm -hmm. My big thing 
with it that I think you could be into is, I agree, the most horrifying imagery in this entire thing is when you get the visions of hell, when you see, and specifically when you see the old crew tearing each other apart on like the DV tape. They're like fucking each other. Like they're just like fucking each other. The raw dogging each other, the ripping each other's eyeballs out. It's like, you can't even, you couldn't even get away with that these it's days. It's terrifying. Well, hopefully we're going to be it's, able to because it's vital to my pitch, but it's sick. So basically the event horizon ship is still out there. Is that ship called? Is is the ship called the Event Horizon? I can't remember. This. The ship is called the Event Horizon, and it was blown in two. Uh, right. So the front half, I think the the back half is left. No, the back half gets blown up, and then at the end, the uh, the rescue squad, like at the end of Alien, picks them up, or the start of Aliens, picks them up from their cryostasis, and then Stark has a vision of Sam Neill, and then it's all a dream, but he's still out. Which there. Which sets up that it's all still out there, and. The opening crawl sets up some very key information, which is that okay, humans have left, have not fully left Earth, but they've set up colonies on the moon. They're tr- they're is exploring it? space. You know, they're trying to is do it? this so they can explore more of space. So I think Mars got women, as they say. Mars has got women. This is my pitch to get in to fucking just get to it. Is it? I feel like twenty years later in this world, I think the world the entire outer space version of the world that exists now is falling apart just like our world right now. You know, it's like cool. the government cannot keep things intact. The world feels like it's falling apart. And I think yeah. if an event horizon-esque place existed in our world right now, I think there would be some people that would be like, that's where I want to go. This This kind of like uncontrolled hell screw that, I want to be in control of my hell. I'm going to actively go to the event horizon because that's where I can be a heathen and like live out like the the nihilist demon parts of myself. So I think a civilization, I think a, like a little mini kind of orgy civilization has started on the event horizon of like the freaks that have actively sought it out. Which they're doing it on the, the remaining ship chunk? Yeah, I think... E- it's, like, just floating in space and they found it. Or, like, it. maybe they've, like, used parts of other ships. Like, when the people land, they've, like, built it. I think there is, like, a weird little mini-event horizon civilization now that's, like... I love... Yeah. I love the idea of a event horizon cult that's, like, obsessed with it. And this is sort of pulling from... So, I guess you pitched during our Mars attack uh, meeting, which I don't know if they even made it into our final pitch, but... um. I think that's really good. Like, yeah, this is the kind of movie where it's like, yeah, people would be obsessed with this. This was, this was our brush with, you know, deities. This is the brush with the spiritual realm and surely it would be documented in some case, even if it was like under the radar, like that's out there in the world. So yeah, there's like a cult that's obsessed with it. I wonder if our protagonist shouldn't be a member of that cult. I want, I, I think we should lean into the protagonist being a scientist um, who is almost like the, the modern reflection of sam neill's character when he's good and he or she probably she i guess i could just see it that way uh has to go to this cult and like research them and you know because they're gonna like because you know what it is it's about it's like the first one is it doesn't go too deep into this but it does explore this sort of idea and it's very much similar to alien of like there's big business interests in this and you know they wanted light speed travel and because they want to light like faster than light speed travel which all the you know the pilots and stuff in event horizon are like that's impossible they're like no but it is and they're, they're just doing that for travel and for expansion and stuff 
we can bring that back in that like even if there's a moment where the lead is like we can't do this and like they have to because of like business pressure like so good so cool yeah i mean you're following right in line with what i was about to pitch essentially which is like i think the genre that we lean into here is film noir i think whoa that's a left field let, let me let's hear the pitch let me hear it i think this is a little bit like an event horizon chinatown where it's like we've got this woman she's a scientist and for, we'll figure out why for some reason she's gotta go there's like there's tall tales of this place now this is where mm-hmm. you can they're like that's where this tragedy happened and there's this offshoot of basically alt writers in this world who think that that is where you can actually get close to God. They're like, that's, yeah. that's where it happens. They're like trying to, you know, they're like evangelicals trying to bring the rapture. Mm-hmm. And there's tall tales of this place. And it's like, well, don't go there. Like that is a no go zone. That's a Chernobyl zone on the map. And, um, and this scientist for some reason needs to go there. And it's like, like Chinatown, it's like, she's got to go into the dark seedy parts of this universe she's got to go back and i think where this all really started was i was like those people all those crazies with their eyes torn out and like scars all over them i'm like it's a lot of this could be built into more of a zombie movie kind of mm-hmm. oh cool i like that and like maybe she's got a suit or she's got some sort they figured out a way that you don't get susceptible there but like it would make the threat different if it's like if the threat is the others on the ship, if there's lots of people. I love the zombie movie. That I mean, that really is the aliens approach to it. It's like take like this thing that's more cerebral and in the shadows and let's bring it to the forefront and bring it That would be sick. I love I love the suit idea of a big sucker for a Samus Aran style space suit. Mm-hmm. Uh Metro Prime 4 just came out this week, remastered. I am dying to get it. I don't have $40 yet, but I will soon to buy it, and I'm so excited. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm liking this. I like, yeah, first act, first half, even noir, like, hunting down this, um, and could really move. It could be really exciting, this sort of scientific investigation that, like, leads them down. I think that that's a very good time for us to see one of the original cast members. Um, Do you think she goes with then, a team? Do you think like I think she's got to build a team. She's like got a team. Maybe it's like the maybe it's like in the original where she's like Sam Neill, who's sort of like the scientist on a team of like non scientists who are like just like piloting the ship, and they're like I don't know what's going on, but we're here for the ride. And then they're like, What did you get us into? You know, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I think because I think we could bring back the one that's more fleshed out would be Stark. She could be like a recluse now. She's basically in hiding because people treat her like a religious deity, and like she's she doesn't yeah, want they to be associated down. with this, you know. Yeah, she's like hidden in like a bunker on the moon. Like she doesn't want to talk to anyone. It's like a Harrison Ford and Blade Runner twenty forty nine kind of thing, mm-hmm. but with less uh, cachet. But you know, whatever. Hey, we're we're building the cachet we'll build here. The cachet. This is um, this is this is gonna be the first of many. In a series. This is going to be the first of it. Paramount's going to love this. Paramount Plus streaming series, baby. Plus he needs some stuff for that mountain. You know, those ads? The mountain. They're really leaning into Reno 911. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people didn't really like Halo. Uh, we got to... 
Yeah, give him something new. So why does she need to go to the event horizon? Like, I think that's the big question. Yeah, it would be cool to make it more personal. I almost wonder, like, what if she was the daughter of Sam Neill from the original, and she's, like, ultimately really looking for her father who went missing 20 years ago? That's lazy, and I don't know how that fits because his wife killed him herself on camera, and he dies on camera, so I don't really know how they had a kid. I mean, I guess they could have just had a kid just off screen. She was always there, just off screen. Um, we could do that. What if she's I the also daughter feel like we gotta- of the um, woman who kept seeing her kid? Oh, that boy, the little boy in the wheelchair? I guess you could switch it to a guy. The protagonist could be a guy. It could be him. He's like, yeah, and he's like 40 something now, I guess. Yeah, that would make sense. He's like in his mid 30s. Yeah, he was probably like 14, 11 around that time. Yeah, so it's like 20 years later. Yeah, that's. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. And then it's like, yeah, we get some, you know, wheelchair representation. Just cool people like that. Is he in it's a wheelchair the... in real life or was that just a in, hallucination? In the movie, he's in a wheelchair. Uh, no, he was in a wheelchair. Like she's watching videos of him, like live streaming his birthday, <laughs> and he's in a wheelchair. He's like, mommy, mommy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool. That could be interesting. That, I mean, that, that opens up, uh, you know, that's a, that is certainly an obstacle that could be used in set pieces. Um, yeah. We could also do the lazy route and be like, oh, it's the future. He's got robot legs. We don't have to worry about that. But I'm not really about that. You know, that's... It's, we we'll probably do a little bit of both. We'll probably do a little. Or like once it becomes zero gravity, you know, then that's yeah. uh, that problem's... Ooh, that's going to be really cool. Zero gravity zombie stuff. Oh, we got some fun yeah, stuff ahead. Yeah. Zero gravity zombie stuff with zero gravity fire. Like, uh-huh. Lawrence Fishburne has that whole spiel about fire and zero gravity. And, if, like, we never actually see it in the movie. Yeah. Like, the way he talks about it. Like, that'll look sick. Yeah. Oh, and you could, like, if you have all these zombies, like, the meat grinder hallway could be used as a way cooler set piece, you know, where, like, they're, like, fighting through it, like, throwing them against the walls and they get torn up by the walls around them you know it's um yeah and it's just getting filled with more and more blood that's floating all over oh so cool. it's gonna be very cool um i think yeah what if he our protagonist like works for the company that is trying to do like event horizon 2.0 and this it's yeah. a little bit cliche maybe we can make this less cliche in a second but like bear with me He's working for Event Horizon 2.0, but he's purposefully there because he's like, this can never happen again. You know, he's yeah. he's essentially infiltrated the company because he lost his mom to this. This is his life's work is to it block is. this. And they're like, and he's the in the opening scenes, he hears that like, we've got it. We've cracked it. We can do it again. And they they think it's all a myth. They think the stories of what happened the first time 20 years ago are conjecture. And he's got to go get the evidence of, like, why they shouldn't do this. Yeah, I think that um, that's great, especially because he could maybe have a recording of his mother. Because it seemed like they sort of had, like, two-way communication. Like, maybe he received a recording of her dying or going crazy in the because she goes berserk you know she gets consumed by the madness on the ship so he could have this like personal like he's like i know what i saw and they're like they all went crazy on there it's part of the nature like they were on they were past neptune um what are the right what i I just feel like there's like what's 
I feel like we could have something better that like brings him to the ship though. Well, I'm saying like he's got that like he got that like airdrop to him during the events of the original one. But um well well let's think about this idea of the ship still being out because yeah, the front or the back I think that's it's the front half of the ship is left. They're floating on that and then they get scooped up by the researchers. Now I would think in this world they would have brought that chunk of ship back to Earth and they've got it like in a bunker where they've like got it hooked up to research and stuff like we could do a classic reboot reboot sequel moment where they like go in the, they turn on the lights goes, jew, 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 and lights up the front half of the event horizon you know it's like the millennium falcon of this series um it's very tropey but whatever uh i do i like the idea of there being a like i think we get them we get them to a call. Like, yes, they've built a new ship that can do it. And they're like, this time it's going to work. We figured it out. Uh, and then either before or after this movie gets going, they run the test and everything goes to shit. And he could, you know what? What if it's like, just spitballing here, maybe a bad idea, but like, what if it's like, he's like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Like, this killed my mother. Like, I, and like, you know, he's de- devoted his life to this science. And he's like, don't do this. And they're like, uh fuck you we're gonna do it they do it and then it goes horribly and like we get all this shit happening and he chose not to be on the like he he like resigned from his post right before that and so then it all goes to shit and then they're like he's the last expert on the issue left because he he's left behind he survived and so the government or whoever the the corporation is like we need you to to figure this one out because we need this tech to work because Society's falling apart, blah, blah, blah. We need light speed travel or whatever. And then Stark is like the Obi-Wan that's like in hiding. Or more of the Yoda. It's like, oh, there is another one, actually. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. He's got to find her, go in noir mode. Like she faked um, her death, maybe. I like this, and I'm down to go with this. Can I pitch one other idea I had while you were talking? You know, this is famously yeah. <laughs> how we work. This is how it goes, <laughs> This is how our co-writing goes. Um, what if... He works for this the company that like monitors this now because they're like this was a disaster, this, this was is. terrible that this happened. We're we're never going near this again. This is it? And, and they are aware that people are going to this ship and kind of building this weird cult civilization, you know. And they're like, we can't really destroy it because that would create a cataclysmic event for the galaxy i'm sure you can't blow that thing up well no but see uh, i'm I'm gonna push back we keep coming back to this idea you have that the front of the ship of the event rises is just like the cockpit and stuff yeah the back of the ship where the actual gateway and everything that was left behind on that that's what i'm saying by a bunch but that gets blown up it blows up on screen oh i don't remember that (laughs) yeah it's like it's like kind of funny because like they blow up the bridge and they they fly away on the front half and the back half is just kind of standing there and then all of a sudden a bunch of lightning hits it from Space Neptune, and it blows up. Uh, so that's gone. So. Unless you want to retcon that somehow. Where could like it be? Like, where could where could they all... Where, where could what be? Like, where... <laughs> where where could we house this cult that I want? I just I want the cult. I just see I see when you when you've pitched it every time I go back to like sort of like a hippie colony on Mars, like on a dark corner of Mars. How about that, on like, a moon no of one... Neptune? A moon of Neptune. Yes, love it. Cool. Okay, that's great. So and the, and that big spinning ball thing, the gate. 
that survived. Mm-hmm. I think that's on the moon. Like they, they built their own. They built their own. And they it doesn't quite work. It. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a fucked up one. Yeah. And Sam Neill's in this colony. He's gonna like be like the Marlon Brando reveal. You know, like Apocalypse Now. Um, oh, what if he was? Oh, Sam Neill's it. But Sam Neill's in hell. So I think it's interesting. Or what I thought you were saying is that these guys haven't actually. Like what I'm seeing is these guys haven't actually crossed over yet. They're they're uh, they're like evangelicals obsessed with bringing on the rapture, but they're not even close to it. And then so maybe in this new direction, let's throw out everything we've talked about just for this idea. Maybe a bad idea, but what if um, this guy is sent? This guy's dispatched. Our our hero, the wheelchair kid from yeah. the first movie, the son. He's dispatched by like the government to like you need to stop them. They are this like. We've been monitoring them. They haven't been a threat before, but they are now this close to cracking the code that caused the original Event Horizon. If they are able to recreate that tech, they have every possibility of leaking hell into our world, and that is their whole goal. If hell breaks out on the moon of Neptune, it's only a matter of time before it gets to Mars and then Earth, and we needed to stop it. So they send him in. He's the only one who can do it because he's a dedicated scientist to this path. And because they're going to know the importance of it. He's going to be like a messiah to them. So he's like, I'll do it. Like, he's, you know, he rejects the call at first. And then he's like, I'll do it. But we need to bring, we need to go see Stark. And so we, boom, boom, boom. And he's going to go to this, this Neptune colony where they've built Event Horizon 2. And that's the title of the movie. And uh, boom, boom, boom. Then we got a movie. Zombies and stuff. Cool. Pow. I like this. That's it. That's the pitch. Pow, pow, that's pow. Bing, bing, bang. Bing, bing. That's uh, this is pretty good. Okay, let, we yeah. let, we should keep developing this. This is yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a little uh, troublesome how quickly we're working without uh, riffing Griffin every ten seconds. You know, without uh, yeah. What's uh, let's make some jokes here. Come up with some good jokes real quick. Um, event horizon, more like event my assholes and. I just wanted to let that really get yeah, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll cut out you'll, you could you add a laugh in post like when you edit this that's definitely there you all heard I'll, it I'll you do, know? i'd do it myself but you know i'm so busy editing my movie <laughs> um, I'll, here so. i'll break this out because i had my own kind of this felt like an event horizon thing um that i discovered today um do you know that i'm like a bit of a sleepwalker I didn't actually know that. I've heard you mention it, but I didn't like realize it was like a pervasive issue. Like I've told you that, but I like do weird stuff. Like I told you that I um, like once like got a toolkit and took apart my lamp next to my bed and laid the pieces out on the floor, like in my sleep. No, you never told. You've never told me that. Yeah, I'm a little Sam Neil fuck. I'm like a little, I'm a little <laughs> Event Horizon boy. <laughs> I'm just gonna be maggots <laughs> chewing on my legs. Um, I discovered today, I opened this book, it's Robinson Crusoe, I'll often like throw money in here, and I uh, was going to the grocery store and I was like, oh, maybe I threw some spare cash in this book. Um, I could, it's, I like to hide money for myself around the apartment, so I'll discover it later, and it'll be like a, a surprise. You know? It must be nice to have that kind of expendable income. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> lately. Well, now I'm like, fuck, where did I put all the money? <laughs> now I kind of need it, uh, you know, with the recession and everything. So I was looking through this book. <laughs> I discovered this must have happened in my sleep. In a random page, I just wrote these words. And this feels like something out of Event Horizon. <laughs> What'd you write? Help me decipher what this could be. I wrote expect shrug word 
dry vintage key way deal three across ill scare slot hockey wedding legend decline install tiger corn subliminal napkin You think I'm a serial killer? Well, on the nose that you wrote subliminal in there. <laughs> you think I'm a serial killer? Like, really? Like, really just dropping breadcrumbs, like, just a whole loaf of bread on that one. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I don't, you know, I've known you as, you, as you were going down that list and it kept going, I was thinking about how I've known you for almost 10 years now. Yeah. And uh, I feel like it's only been the last few years that it's really clicked. I was doing you were weird, but it's just starting to click just the extent of that. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Who do you think I respect it? Who do you think's weirder, me or you? I think you're weirder. I'm just sadder and more pathetic. Oh, dang. Uh, God damn. That's that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I mean But hey, I'm living the dream out here, you know? So we're both living who, the dream. You know? It's... Yeah, but me especially, you know. I uh Okay, yeah, you win this I'm one. I'm doing so great. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> how many <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. Well, ask how it. many uh, how many hot dogs you gonna postmate this week? None. <laughs> We've got a hot spicy sausage in the fridge, so I'm gonna make some pasta out of it tomorrow. Maybe you're gonna make some pasta out of the sausage. You don't ever put sausage in your pasta. I've put sausage in a pasta. I thought you said you're gonna make the pasta out of the sausage. I'm gonna make a pasta recipe using the sausage. I guess I didn't say out of the sausage. Like I'm not making noodles out of sausage. That's not that weird. But I would have, I would have yeah. loved if you made your noodles out of sausage. You're like, you're like these noodles, they're just not the salty enough. <laughs> we need a more protein. It's <laughs> like a heart attack. <laughs> I, I love. I'll talk to people. It'll be. They'll be like, "Oh, you should eat this. It has protein in it." And I'm like, "Oh, finally, some protein in my diet. I never get protein. <laughs> never eating chicken and beef and meat. How many meats? If you get a sub, how many meats do you generally put on it? Oh, I'm a single. I'm a single meat kind of guy personally. I, I I don't have the I don't have the energy to ask for salami and roast beef or whatever. This is such a compliment to Paul W. S. Anderson that for us to make our comedy podcast a little more fun and less nerdy, we have to stop talking about his great movie because there's no jokes we can really think to make about it other than like, it's just so cool. You know what I will say about it? It's a funny thing to that movie for me is that. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I'm really bad with faces and actors and stuff. And uh, they more or less, everybody's pretty distinct on that ship, you know. They, uh, but they've got these two British long-faced white guys. Like, one's the pilot yeah. and one's, like, the doctor or something. And every time that one guy took off his hat, I was like, I don't know which one of these guys is which. That's So you're less cringe than me because I recognized one of them as Draco Malfoy's dad in the Harry Potter series. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That is him. Oh, that's so funny. So that was how oh, I wow. kept track of him. And he had the most horrifying wow. death in the movie. How's he die again? He's the one that gets happened? all, he gets split open. He like He's the one that's like hanging from above, you know, with his stump, his chest opened up. Oh yeah, I was frying bacon pretty intently at the, during like, that mm, sequence. Yummy! He's <laughs> <laughs> so hungry. This is what it was like for the pigs to make this bacon. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's true. It's uh, oh. oink oink oink. We'll reckon with that later. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. No. But uh, I I like where we're going. So the kid, 
the son from the first one has dedicated his life to stopping them from doing another one of these. So uh, the one this change cult, I want to do to your pitch that I think feels more it. relevant to real life um, is that I do think his company would be like, this doesn't matter. Like, I think like they're, he's, he works at the company and he's the only one spying on this moon cult that's trying to rebuild it. And I think it's way more realistic that the CEO of some big tech company would be like, that's not a problem. It's going to yeah. be fine. We can get our self-driving cars to work and they'll only run over like two kids a week. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and I think he would be the one, he's like trying to sound the alarm inside. I could see the scene where like the advisor to the CEO is like, he is the son of the woman that was on the ship. And he's like, that's all fake. That did not happen that way. It was a freak accident where the scientists went crazy and killed everyone. Hell, mm -hmm. hell is not real. And so I think our protagonist, he would take it upon himself to go do this rogue. Mm -hmm. So cool. What if, um, just an idea I got while you are talking, what if he had a former colleague that worked with him at this division of this company that uh became that also became obsessed with it and went to the the colony on on neptune's moon and joined the cult and he's like their greatest asset like because they have him they're actually there that's the reason why they're about to be able to crack the code and create this event horizon 2 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we can have him say like what is this some kind of event horizon 2 yeah yeah, I think it's it's the only way people will know the movie they're watching is if you hear the title at some point. It's a good... Uh, Could we work in, like, they're know. like, what is this, Event Horizon 2? What, what, this is like something written by the podcast, too. You know? I love that. I think if we could... Yeah, especially because, you know, it's in the future, so we'll have been cemented as a media empire by that point. I think... So it would only make sense. I think the way that, like, in rap songs, producers have producer tags, you know? <laughs> I think screenwriters should have screenwriter tags. Absolutely. Where it's... Absolutely. Like, at some point in the dialogue, they just start... They just... They're just like, podcast, too. You know? It, yeah. And it's like how in every Aaron Sorkin movie he writes, they always go, ba 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 And, like, you're like, oh, I know I know who wrote this one. You know that he split his forehead open because he was practicing dialogue from the newsroom in front of a mirror and hit his head into it and split his forehead open? I didn't know that. <laughs> For some reason, it doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Uh, as of all the projects he could have wounded himself on, it's, it's so very funny. sad that it was the newsroom. It's so funny. It's that... It, I watched every it, it episode be, of that show with my father. That's such a dad show. I watched every episode with my father. Oh, I just watched that clip that goes around on Twitter every once in a while of like them. Oh, on the plane. The pilot. Uh, no, it's like they're in the newsroom and they're like trying to break a story. And like you, you, uh, that that guy, the fucking what's his name, Jeff Daniels, is like, you're one hell of a newsman. Don't ever let me say it because they're like trying to not break. Oh, so stupid. It's so cringe. God, that's um. But uh, Aaron Sorkin, if you're ever listening to this, we'd love to help you write some sequels. I know you have a hard time with those, and we can we can help you out, we got, buddy. We got Social Network too on our on our event horizon. That'll be good. That's what we've been looking at. But um, that'll be a good one. Not that we make the call, we get the calls. You know, we get the calls. We we just sit around like Michael Keaton waiting for our bat, bat signal. <laughs> God, did you see that flash trailer that came out this afternoon? I didn't I see it yet. No, we're recording this on the day of the 2023 Super Bowl. Uh, and yeah, they do this thing where uh, it like pushes in 
and like as like there's two Ezra Millers and one of them's like is that is that and then it does this really long slow dolly on Michael Keaton in the bats and he goes yeah <laughs> I'm Batman and it's so long and you can feel like I I don't know it's, I wonder I mean it's cool but it's like it's like oh I would get yelled at for holding on a shot that long in a in a trailer I don't understand. <laughs> what this movie is supposed to be if James Gunn is theoretically like nuking the entire DC cinematic universe. It's like, why would anyone see this? This one I can get because this one's really leaning into the multiverse thing. That's going to sort of expand. The one I don't get is Aquaman two. They're like still doing that, but yeah. that's like the last one's going to come out. That's like from the old guard. And they're like, Oh, that one. Yeah. We don't even, that's not even going to have any effect. It's like, Oh, but this one literally it's cause like, you know, as someone on Twitter was saying, it was made three corporate shakeups ago. Like the people that greenlit this movie don't even work there anymore. And uh, but it's so expensive that they can't make it more expensive by replacing Ezra Miller in reshoots. Like they can't Christopher Plummer him or them. And uh, it's just like they have to put it out. And it's both. But the, the biggest problem is that the word on the street from the people inside is that it's actually relatively good. You know, like I'm sure it's gonna be like stupid and everything but like it's supposedly it's pretty fun and it's like they're like we can't throw this out like we we could throw out the cheap batgirl movie we can't throw out our like 10 pulse superhero movie we've been working on because we've been working on this for a decade like yeah this one you know chris lord and or phil lord and chris miller were on this one for a while like there's been all kinds of hands being put on this project. They've sunk in so much cash into the stupid Flash movie. So we've officially done the uh, the funniest thing, which we got so cocky that we were making really good headway on this pitch that now we're really behind. I'm realizing. We've okay, got... I've got this uh, idea I had, or just like sort of angle we should take on this movie before. I think that it's like first, step, you know, this we'll is build the kitchen setup and it becomes kind of a noir. It's a it's a mystery. It's like a mystery through the depths of the the futuristic interplanetary underworld as we try to find the pieces needed to get us to this cult. So that's the first act, and the second act is like a uh, like a horror movie. Like we we're doing like we go into the horror elements of it, and then third act is a um, zombie action epic uh, that culminates in our climax. We go into hell, and we're gonna come face to face with Sam Neil. And there's an epic showdown, and it's fucking sick. Yeah, I think that we bring in some space marines into this. I think that like there's like we've got a mountain offensive into hell. We're gonna lead an army into hell and fight the devil. Like how cool will that be? <laughs> I'm open to it. I'm 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 like nervous that going into hell. There's um sorry, no time is of the essence, but I do think this is a funny little mini tangent that's relevant to future podcasts as well. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Sam and I went to film school together, if you can't tell by how annoying we talk about writing. Um, SUNY Purchase Film, baby. The best school in America. Best school in America. It's beating at AFI now, officially. Don't check the lists. And, um, Don't check the lists. We had a teacher named Larry. Larry O'Neill. Great writing Larry teacher. Larry O'Neill. You donated 100 bucks to my crowdfunding campaign. Fucking goat. Dude, I only hope to have that much. Did he find it in a book? Did he, did he find it hidden in one of his books? Um, but he, we were in class once, and one of our fellow classmates turned in a screenplay that had an action line in the screenplay that described the main character, and it said, he watched the blood drip from the ceiling for four days. <laughs> and then the teacher paused at that line when it was being read, and he said, now, 
I'm just going to call the person John. Now, John, when you say that, I have to be honest, I can't imagine a single good version of that. <laughs> He's like, I, all I can see is like you hold on the shop for a long time or you see calendars over him. How do you show that it was four days that he sat and watched blood? Um, but I think of that often where I've got to be honest, going into hell in a movie like this, I can't imagine a good version of it. I'm worried it will look like Ant-Man Quantumania like like a Robert Rodriguez movie, you know, like I mean, there's two approaches. Yeah, we could do it that way, or we could do it like there's the sort of way a lot of horror movies do it is like, but we do it the Doom way. Like if you've ever played the new Doom or even the classic Doom games, it's all about like fighting through hell, and like it could look fucking sick, especially in a sci-fi. Um, and I'm all down for that. Or we could do the like cerebral way, where it's like it's like a suburb, but it looks a little off. Or like it's like an upside down version of our reality. I but hate I that. Think, yeah, I hate that too. I think that it could look. I mean, like, I think that we could make it look fucking sick. I think that we could do some really sick, like Doom style, like fucking armada of spaceships flying into this like hell planet with like all these people torturing each other. And they all turn, they look up, and they see the spaceships, and they're all like, Wah! and they like start like making like a like a World War Z style like body ladder climbing into the sky to try to take down these ships and like they're like oh I can't shake them all up and like people crash and they get tortured and Sam Neill's there like on his like evil devil throne being like yes ha, 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 I'm the devil yeah yeah I think okay I'm really into this like multi genres for the three acts um, we got to get moving we got 25 minutes to crack the actual story we've almost got it we almost got it locked though. We've got, well, almost got the story. Yeah, it's, okay, so I think this kid, um, he works at the company. Um, No one believes that they're going to build it. He's getting terrified. So because he, his first step, our break into two, is going to be, he's like, I got to go find Stark. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, the other guy that survived... Maybe we can work him in too. Actually, it's a, let's see if he appears. I'm thinking. I mean, I'm thinking we either do Stark or him, and the other one died of madness off screen. Like, I think bringing in two legacy characters that are both actors, no one really cares about anymore. No offense she, to the great, yeah, people. She was she was better defined, so I'm giving it to Stark. She makes yeah. more sense for it to be her too. Um, so yeah, I he think, was kind of comic relief, you know, it was the '90s. I think. I think this kid, uh, I'm sure we could look up what the kid's name is. We don't have time. We got to name him right now. Let's name him uh, Son. Let's just call him Son. Let's call him Son. Son goes to Stark. He's like, this is happening. She's like, that can't happen. You know, like that that could destroy the universe. You know, that could open the gates of hell to the universe, literally. And so he like pulls her out of hiding, Obi-Wan style. It's a really well-written scene. You know, I can't wait to do it. You know, right now, all I know is just it's going to ha- be dynamic. At first, she's not going to want to go, and then uh-uh. things will happen that makes her want to go. Uh-huh. They they get on their spaceship, vroom, vroom, vroom. They land. And honestly, this is going to be fucking sick. We're going to have to do all this world building of, like, what's this moon colony orgy place look like, yeah. you know? So yeah, that's going to be scary and crazy, just, like, future debauchery of just like torture torture porn sex stuff so i'm thinking like they land in the first part at first they're like on the outskirts they're not like into the town center yet and there's like there's like 
Sam Neill is like the big bad, but we've got small bads too, like small cult leader types, you know, that sure, are taking totally. advantage of like the weaker legs. I think the first one they see is this really pathetic, skeleton-y looking guy. He takes advantage of people um, that don't know better. And who are you trying to write a role for yourself or what? I'm trying to write a role. <laughs> That's a mean joke. <laughs> You're going to feel really bad when you know what I was trying to set up here. I was trying to set up one of our <laughs> classic runners. This is this is a part for uh, Jared Leto. Uh, <laughs> Don't feel bad. A different scrawny hunk, you know, uh, different he's, twink. He's not that scrawny. <laughs> Even on meat for Morbius, you got to get him that Morbius diet. The Morbius, he was eating three chickens a day for that I'll movie. I'll Morbius diet. Okay, but I think we're going to get Jared Leto in here. And he's gonna, but he, he's gonna be all torn up, you know. And he's gonna be like, "I can lead you, you know. It's we just go this way." And he like points towards like not in the right direction because he's blind. And then I think they just shoot him. They're like, "Well, he's useless," you know. And we could shoot him in real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's like Jared. You want to do a method death scene? You've got to do a method. Uh, every one of these movies are trying to get him to go method for that one part, and he never. He always wimps out. He's always like, "It's you know, it's just studio politics, is what it is. You know, he's carrying too much clout. But as we move higher and higher." higher on the cachet meter uh, I think we'll have enough to, to really kill him. Yeah. Especially as more and more people become aware of the things he's done. Yeah. Like, talk about torture and scary sex stuff. Yeah, definitely you know, if this podcast uh, makes you want to do anything, maybe Google Jared Leto and Colt. Or just Jared. The, the Colt thing I don't think is actually that real. The Colt was like more of a photo shoot. Um, I could be wrong about that but from what I dug up, that's not real. But him sexually assaulting a lot of people allegedly i'm just saying saying what i read online uh many times over many years uh yeah he's he's definitely uh done some fucked up shit probably allegedly so then they're gonna venture into this world and it's kind of like i mean i don't know this feels like kind of your bread and butter like what's in terms of the horror aspect of this it's like are they are they are they going in and acting as if are they deities where it's like I am related to a woman that was at the original and this is Stark from the original? Um, I think they probably pull that card. I think I mean. So what's their goal in going here exactly? They're trying to stop them from tr- turning on the machine. Yes. Just as they're like closed. They're they. So he's been monitoring them through like cyber spies or whatever. They've got like they've hacked their comms. And uh, he's like, oh, they're this close to cracking the equation. They're like one variable off. And if they figure that out, they're going to know. Because he knows how to do it. Because he's been, this, he's devoted his life to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so they uh, they go there. He tries to go there undercover. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm the only one who can do it. I can sabotage this. Because he's the only one who knows like the way to fuck up the signs in such a way that they won't realize that it was tampered with. Like it's too precise. Yeah. They can't just send in like a Marine or a CIA agent. So he goes in undercover, and uh, we do a whole stealth sequence, and it's good and actually Is scary. Is he with and not Stark? Like sh- What's going on with Stark? He could be with Stark. I'm not. I'm not sold one way or the other right now. You know what's um, my pitch? I think we save yeah. her. We put her in like yeah. a spaceship, and she's advising from afar, like in the movie, uh-huh. and that gives us the chance to like. If they're together, then we're stuck. If they get caught, if he gets caught, yeah. then we've saved her to potentially save the day or potentially she gets found. He, and then like, he's got more trouble on his hands. She's in the ship. 
He's so I they wouldn't know who he is yet. I don't think he's pulled this card. I think he's no. He's like I want to enter this. I want to become one of you. And it's like, are they like what kind of civilization is this? Like, are they like are they all blind? So I, oh yeah, they could have all clawed their eyes out. That's kind of cool. That's terrifying They're if like, it's like okay, we have to initiate you. And like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so they're like this, like, cyber colony of, like, they're like a torture-obsessed cult that has a whole colony on a planet. Like, they live under, like, a geodesic dome or whatever it's called and, like, have, like, these weird, like, dystopian houses that are made out of, like, it's like a low-budget Elon Musk colony or I guess what you, what you would just call an Elon Musk space colony. It's going to look like shit in any way. Um, real life and, fire festival uh, shit. Yeah, fire festival shit, Mad Max shit. But yeah, they've like gouged their eyes out, and they they have all these cybernetic implants so they can operate. Like because they're not actually in the spiritual hell world, they still have to like conduct business to like like they have jobs in a society <laughs> to make sure that it doesn't collapse. So like they have like cybernetic like feelers and sensors. It's like, oh, to, like, I came to hell and I'm still the janitor. Like I still have to. This is a <laughs> shittier job than in normal world. <laughs> Oh, I should have lived, stayed on the moon. Um, and so, but yeah, it's just it's like that. It's like yeah, and that's great. It's part of the like hypocrisy of it all. It's like, like maybe absurd. the thing they dream about is every night, like there's human sacrifices. You know, they sacrifice to the devil. You know, it's like if you get called upon, it's like you get your chance with the devil. Like these, the, he's starting out from like the outskirts of this shit, where it's like none of them have met the devil. And I think it's kind of stealing from a lot of things, but it's classic. I think there's like a big tower in the distance where he sees the dome. He sees the like portal at the it's top. bigger and better than ever. And it's like, yeah. stu- and they're like, he sees them working on it. And that's, and yeah. that's where, that's his beacon. That's where he's got to go. I think we could do a really good set piece because we've got 15 minutes right now. So we really got to uh, crack some codes quick right now. I think like, well, I got some ideas. Okay. I got some going. ideas. So, okay. Blast him out. He lands here. He's going undercover. His goal is to get to the top of that tower. And he and we'll do a whole sequence of like learning the world as he makes his way through and all that jazz. We'll maybe meet some characters. Maybe there's a resistance that lives there. Maybe he's got contacts. Also, all the while, I think that on that ship with Stark is like a Marine team. Like they were able to finagle like a team that's like on the ready to go on the offensive to swoop in. And they're like, when just say the word, we'll, we'll, we'll swoop in. Um, but he's got to get up there because he thinks he can just do it on the low and like not start like a terrorist like they're heavily armed let's say that they're like a torture thing that's also like you don't want to turn them against the federation of interplanetary systems or whatever's going on here um he gets up there he almost does it and then uh he gets caught somehow like he fucks up or like he gets caught somehow he's almost able to like do the the whatever visual metaphor we said like push the right code of buttons that will delete this chunk of code or change the variable so that they'll never, ever know that someone had come in and sabotaged their math. Okay. You know what I mean? Keep going with your pitch, and I might rewind for a second because I have an idea on this, but I want to hear where you're going to see if my idea works. Yes. So, yeah, he gets caught, and then it's like he's, like, about to be executed, and then he reveals who he is, and then it's a turn. Okay. Oh, you're this guy, as it was foretold or something. Let's rewind really quick. So I think he reveals who he is. I think that's the midpoint. There's been a whole lot of cool set pieces here where he's where he's had to avoid getting his eyes gouged out. Like they're trying to tear him apart. Yeah. You know, it's uh, not, and you know, he's he's in more danger because he's uh, paraplegic in this place. You know, he's got he's like yeah. that makes his fight 
harder, unfortunately. But all, all of this is to say, I think in his two decades of thinking about this, he's probably, he's, I think he's developed some sort of device where it's like, if you throw it into the portal, it shuts it all down. Like that's like, it's, it's, it's his thing, you know? And mm-hmm. he gets up there, our midpoint, we build all the way there. You know, he's going, he's going to chuck it in and then he gets caught. His hand gets grabbed. You know, they destroy the thing he spent his whole life building, you know, and suddenly the whole plan's out the window. It's something along the mm-hmm. lines of like he had a very concrete, straightforward plan, like Stark's on the other end, like, okay, throw in, yeah. let's go. He gets caught. Suddenly everything's off the table. It's like, uh-oh, now what do we do? Uh-oh. And then he reveals yeah. who he is. And then like they're about to gouge his eyes out. He reveals who he is and they're like, oh shit. And then he meets their ringleader. And it's this guy who like sometime in the past, it's just like an R movie, they successfully ran this machine and were able to briefly get a glimpse of this other world. And this guy was the guy, this is like the, the lead scientist who's their leader who saw it and is like obsessed with that moment. And he's like, we're gonna, like, we're gonna do it. Now he's got the keys. And so they're like about to do it. And maybe this is right when the moment he goes, like he calls in his favor with the Marines. They swoop in. We have an awesome action set piece where they're able to rescue him and they get out of there just before all hell breaks loose. But on their way out, like once they leave, like those people, they're able to reset and he's like, it's time. And they open the gateway to hell and fucking hell spills over into that place. And we have a set piece of that planet. Maybe that's what it is, is that planet gets like absorbed. Like we have like an Independence Day kind of moment where they're like, like, yes, like the raptures come and they all just get like brutally murdered and stabbed in like ways they couldn't even imagine. And then a gateway to hell is open. We are now flying into our climax. They've got to get into that gateway to hell. Can I, the only way to close it is to go in. Can I throw in a Boom. slight chain? I like what you're, I, sure. I think there's a couple things we also need to go back and flesh out a little bit before we meet with, uh, with Plussy. Um, Plussy. What if the Marines come to save him? I like this. There's like a ship of like a hundred Marines, you know, cause you know us, we love some pro military propaganda. Let's throw it in. It's space. Yum, we yum, figured yum. out how to have good Marines. These are, for these are good killing aliens. Marines. Um, they, so what if they like narrowly save him and he's like, no, no, they're going to open the, po- the sun. No, they're going to open the portal of hell. And as they're flying away, they do it. The thing like goes like, like fire like spreads and that crashes the ship back into the ground and so there's and they land on mars well no they've got to be on the moon moon. they've got to because they're there still yeah that's what i mean neptune i've got now these them and the 100 marines are trapped on the moon hell has just been opened up and it's like there's only one way out of here we got to fight our way out we got to fight hell so it's it's not like they like just actively decide to just go avatar style bomb the tree like they're like this is our only way out. Like, they're like, when can the next ship come to get us? And they're like, four hours. <laughs> Dude, it's like not in four, it's like 56 days. Yeah. It's like interplanetary distances. This could set us up for a number three. Um, this could set us up for a number three. Uh, okay, so that's Event this, Horizon three. So I like this, you know, I think with Plussies here, we could be like, and then there's going to be a great battle sequence with uh, with the hell demons. Um, he's here in 10 minutes, FYI. Um, yeah, we got this. We got this. So the, the thing, I feel like we haven't fleshed out between the midpoint when he reveals who he is until the climax when the, um, or the break into the third act when the Marines save him. 
like what happens for that entire 30 minute section of the movie yeah oh that would be when he meets sam neill wait this is the sequence between what what between what and what this is between the midpoint and the third act what scenes are those that's what i'm asking you you pitched me this I I pitched you I, events happening. I don't remember which one was the midpoint and which the one midpoint the, the midpoint is. Midpoint is I was I am the son of this woman. Yeah. Um. We gotta also I think, yank Stark out at some point. You know, we saved her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So midpoint is he gets caught and he reveals who he is and he comes face to face with the head honcho who I think is not Sam Neill, but your pitching is Sam Neill, which I'm open Sam to. Sam Neill. I think. I think it's sci-fi. Yeah, you know movie. what it makes sense. Yeah, okay. He yeah, survived. Sam Neill, that he, makes sense. He, like he, the, yeah, he could. He's the bridge. The ship he's stuck blew in up, our world. and he was yeah. like, he was, he got like a meshed blood, bloody body style, like those other bloody bodies in it, to like one of the walls, and it came crashing down onto the moon, and he rebuilt this civilization. You know, like he's, yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. their king. So I think then. I'm just looking for a vague arc of what this 30-minute chunk of the movie could look like. What's the tension? I don't think it's uh, the. I don't think I'm not seeing this as 30 minutes. I'm seeing this as like five minutes. It's like he gets caught, and then um, he's gonna get. Uh, I think that so yeah, he gets caught. And we have like a five-minute monologue scene or whatever where you meet Sam Neill, learn what his plan is, what his whole deal is, and right then, like after five minutes of this exposition dump. We bring in the marine action sequence. They blow up the tower, swoop in, try to rescue him, and they're about to get away when they're able to run the machine. So it's like Sandy was like, run it now! And then they run it, and it's like, uh, it opens up. Their ship crashes. They're like gunship or whatever. Yeah. They've got like a bunch of soldiers, and it's like them and, the, and like what's left of this battalion have to make their way through the desert once like to get out, and like the desert's being the 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 you know, planetary it's space it's crazy and it's lit, lit red by like this flashing lights in the sky and uh they've got to fight through these zombie hordes of like torture demons you know what i think could be our avenue to figuring this out a bit more what the hell is the sun's arc plus he's gonna ask us about this kid's arc and we don't know nothing like he so he it's a film about it's just like all these great reboot sequels it's a film about the past he is a kid obsessed with revenge, obsessed with his mother, and he's going to... I'm just spitballing here. He's going to get revenge for his mother. He's going to fight the demons of hell, and maybe at the end he's left empty and realize what really mattered is love, and he has a cool age-gappy relationship with, like, senior citizen Stark, and they kind of, like, we do a romance thing in it. Like, it really leans to the romance element. And it's like kind of, it's a little fucked up, but you know, he's like in his 40s and she's like in her 60s. So it works. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe. You don't, I don't feel like you're feeling that. <laughs> I don't feel like you're into that idea. You know, I was, I was going to try to give you the LA touch. You know, I was going to be like, yeah, we'll talk about that at lunch next week. You know, and give it to me straight. New York style. Bad idea. Ah, terrible. There you're we a go. Bad That's... writer. That's the that's the max I missed. Ever since you went out west, you've gone soft. Um, I'm thinking, okay, if it's a film noir, what it, it, it he's he's all about justice, right? He's like he's justice. like what happened to my mom on that ship was wrong. This colony still existing. It's wrong. I have to go and infiltrate and prove 
that like that this bad stuff is happening or stop this bad stuff from happening. And I think he kind of realizes the nebulous nature of justice. It's just a, it's along the lines of what you were pitching, just not the romance. Um, he, what if he like gives the final piece that allows them to open the portal somehow? Definitely. Yeah. He like, by going there triggers it, right? Like what, what would that be? Like what's something from the movie He's got a machine. He's got this machine, this hacking cube. It's like a cool, like spider computer thing. It's like a droid or something that's gonna hack their whole system in like a very like creepy way. And but they get it, and they're able to like reverse engineer it. To I don't know. This is stupid. There's like they by doing the opposite of what it's programmed to do. They're able to fix their machine. Um, it could it could be in dialogue. It could be a way we write it that he like accidentally just says the they're like, what do you mean, do we the polar vortex? And he's like, nothing. And they're like, wait a minute. And then they do it like, we've got it. He gave it away. What if it's he like does? And like the key was like that. There's like a divide between the two worlds. You know, it's like that. What they're trying to do is bridge hell and normal life, and like mm-hmm. the bridge. This is bold. The bridge is that when he gets there and and Sam Neill is showing him the rebuilt machine and like they can see through it, they just like can't go in yet. He sees that his mom is in hell. <laughs> like he he sees his mom again and she like reaches out and they like they grasp hands and that's what creates the connection between the two worlds again. That's sick. That's what do you mean that's bold? That's just good. I don't know why that's his mom's cool. in hell. His mom, they're all in hell. Everyone goes to hell in this Everyone world. Everyone goes event, to like, hell. They all end up going to hell in Event Horizon. Like, that's where they spend eternity at the end of the movie. I kind of love this. Like, his love of his mom is what reopens the gateway to hell. Yes. Perfect. I think Paul's going to like this. I don't know yeah, if Paul Plus like he's going to like this. So. Plus, you like, it's it's a horror movie. It's, it's hereditary. It's a horror movie. Okay, so that's, so he... I think, yeah, it's a movie about morals. You know, he's like, I think, also like, FYI, plus he is two minutes away. I hear him striding up the stairs right now. Clunk, clunk, clunk. We got this player. We got this player. I think it's a movie about morality. It's a movie about, like, he thinks he can solve this. He thinks he can do good. He thinks that he can avenge his mom. And in going in this journey, he discovers it was all for nothing. His mom's in fucking hell. If he had just let go of the past and just ignored these bad things that haunt him, he... Yeah, like the pool, the reflective pool shows him his mother. He sees things worse than he could have ever believed. Uh-huh. It's like his mom being tortured in hell. Yeah. Yeah. That's... uh Stark is like, don't look in there, don't look in there. And Sam's like, look in there, you know? And that's, uh, honestly, that sounds like a good sequence. We can also bring that, that can become a big, com- you know, throwing a wrench into this pitch in the last minutes, but it could be a uh, a conflict that he, because they all go mad, a big part of Event Horizon is them all going mad and like grappling with their past. And if he starts having visions of hell once he touches the Event Horizon, he could go into like, that could be an obstacle as part it's like not just a zombie movie it's like dealing with your madness in the midst of an invasion of hell zombies uh-huh. Uh-huh. i think that's pretty good i think we bring that in yeah oh. all the say that to plessy all the while he's going mad with visions of hell uh yeah when the marines are mother. trying to fight like they're also like they start killing each other at one point because they start yeah. like seeing each other as demons and it's like it's like no focus on you know like they yeah they have to oh god we've got like 
15 seconds to figure this out, but they've got to have like some sort of way that they figure out which people are the real demons and which ones are the fake demons. Everyone's demons. There's no, re it's just like everyone's going mad. Everyone's and push through. So it's him and Stark just have to get out together. They have to fight them. Everyone's fighting themselves. It's going to be a really hard movie to get through, but they're going to fight and they're going to blast their way into hell and close the gate. Whoa, Sam, Sam, Sam. Uh, you hear that? Yep. Okay. I'm going to let him in. Plussy. Plussy, my man. How's it going? Plussy. Hello. How you doing, gentlemen. Plussy? Gentlemen, happy to be here. Oh, that's the Plussy growl that I've heard so much about on the streets of Hollywood. You know, um, or they, people people love my growl as much as they love uh, my commercials with the Reno 911 characters, so prominently featured. So cool that you're doing that. I just, I love the original. I'm so excited for what you do with the third or fourth reboot. We really love what you're doing with years. the Yellowstone universe. You know, it's. I'm uh, definitely watching that. Yeah. We're definitely watching it. We're definitely part of the core demo for that. I definitely knew Harrison Ford was in that before, like the other day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. I am definitely aware of the shows on your streaming service beyond billboards um, that I see them on. Well, thank you, Morris. It's, uh, it takes a village, but. Happy you're a part of it. I do like those commercials where all your uh, your characters, Dora and Halo and SpongeBob and all that, you know, all your Paramount Plus characters are on the mountain singing the Halo song. I think that's pretty cool. That was a good way to launch a service. I like that more, way more than Peacock's launch. I was like, what? It was like, you got Parks and Rec? Who cares? Fuck, right? fuck Peacock, am I right? Fuck Peacock. Well, the, here's the thing, sir. We got a movie here for you today. That will never be on Peacock because they don't have the guts to put out something this crazy, this cool, Definitely this not. creative. You're gonna love it. You call on the right two. You call on the right two. We've got Paramount Plus's Get Out right here or something. Well, I'm so excited to hear it. This is gonna be next year's Top Gun Maverick. It's going to. Oh, okay. Yeah, we. Oh, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. I hope you've pitched something bulletproof that would. Play to all demographics, you know, something family friendly, something very. You want to do it with a horror movie, sir? You think this is the movie for that? You don't come to Plussy for rational decisions. <laughs> your your reputation precedes you, sir. I, uh, I I will certainly say that. We're hitting all quadrants uh, with this pitch, sir. It's um, there's something for everyone. There's something for mommy, daddy, and sons and the daughters. When you said you wanted something for daddy. We definitely took it a certain way, you know? It's, it's, for, it's you know? It's for daddy. It's, yeah. Emphasis it's on a, it being the, for daddy. It's for daddy, the devil himself. So this movie's for. Oh, I'm happy to see you're working with friends of mine. Um, let's get into it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Max, let's. Uh, you want to start? Should I start? Who should start? Look, it's a it's a movie. It's like a haunted house in space, and it's about a opening a gateway to hell through light speed travel. All right, this does not. Everyone's died. This is a little troublesome for our main studio tentpole next summer. Why? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, just listen. We got a real crowd pleaser. So Max, okay. as you were, so. You've watched Event Horizon. If you had, let's say, sir, the movie that you're greenlighting a sequel to, um, there's one uh -huh. character everyone is asking what's going on with him, and that is the son 
that the fifth lead of the movie sees in visions two times in the movie. We have decided... And on a FaceTime. And on a FaceTime. We have decided that is our protagonist. His name is Sun. It's, um, it's simple. It's clean. And um, he is obsessed with the event Horizon. This ship is where his mother died. It has... There are tall tales across the galaxy now that this is where the gateway to hell was opened up. And he, and that, and some people believe it. Some people don't. You know, it's a little bit like the UFOs right now. You know, some people think it's a conspiracy. Some people think it's real. He knows it's real. He's been studying this his whole life. He's built a little device that he can use to shut it down. He's been monitoring what they're doing. He goes to his company that he works for. He's like, they are going to rebuild this. We have to stop them. They're like, shut up, kid. We don't believe you. So who does he go to, Sam? He goes to... The classic character from the first movie, Stark. Now she survived. You got Robert Downey Jr. in this? See, here's the thing, sir. It's not. But because the original used the name, we have full license to use that name. And it will connote characters that our audience likes better than these. So it will do us nothing but favors. So he goes to visit Stark. He tracks down Stark, who's living in a secret bunker, a secret like cave underneath the surface of the moon. Uh, far off from the nearest colony. And uh, she's sort of like a recluse, like driven into madness almost, on the verge of madness, has has horrible visions of the events that happen on the event horizon. She's the last survivor. There's only two of them. The other guy, he went, he's gone. You know, he's old and he went mad and he died. And so she's the last one left. But she's the only one he can, he can talk to about what happened and how they can stop this crazy cult on the surface of the moon of Neptune, right near where the original Event Horizon incident happened. Uh, did we already talk about this in the pitch? I can't even remember. Larry, you didn't. I'm, I'm a little confused. What's... Uh, uh, my voice may be becoming a little more George Lucas with each with each iteration, but that's... Yeah, learning from the best, right? Learning from the best, you know, hoping to make that much money. It's like poetry. Love to see that kind of growth. That's an arc, as we call it in the writer's room. Uh, I love hearing you boys talk shop. You're, you're famous for a reason. Um, it's my, my confusion is for this summer blockbuster we ordered. Um, uh-huh. what, what kind of things are they doing in this cult? Uh, normal thing? I'll break it to but you like, easy, sir. <laughs> They're sucking and fucking... And tearing each other's eyes Damn. out. It's, uh, you know, in the original, there's a shot where one of them sticks a lead pipe up another guy's ass, you know. Yeah, that was in there. We're just, we're leaning into it. We're giving the people what they want. Gen Z might not like yeah. it because they don't like sex, apparently. <laughs> um, I'm going to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the thing. We got a cult of suckers and fuckers. Uh, they're obs- they, too, are obsessed with the original event and rise of. They're like modern-day evangelicals. They want to bring the rapture. And they're obsessed with self-mutilation and torture. Every night they have human sacrifices to the altar. And at the center of their town on this uh, Neptune moon colony is a tower. And at the top of it is the thing from the original event horizon the gateway machine floating on top and they have almost cracked the code on travel into the world of hell they want to open up the gateway because they're obsessed with bringing the end days and uh son here needs to stop them so he's recruited uh stark uh our classic character 
and they're on their way. They were able to finagle through a boardroom scene or something. Uh, about 100 troops, 100 marines, just a small percentage of the armada. I think they'll bring uh, the troops later, though. I think... You think they bring the troops later? I think they call in the troops. I think the they're on troops. standby. The troops are on standby. You know what? The troops are on we standby. We definitely He's talked this out. We figured this out ahead of time, Plessy. Sir, you know, our game is speed, and we got the need for speed, and when it's the need for speed, sometimes you got to do the deed rough. And we got the rough stuff, but it's tough enough for powder puff. Uh, Sir? I want to see how long you keep going. Uh, this is beautiful. So, Max, and where's the go? Where's the goals of the story go next? So mm-hmm. next, we're gonna touch down on the planet, and he's gonna get out. He's gonna see um like a really pathetic small cult leader. You know, like the kind that like no one would care about whatsoever. We're thinking this is a perfect part for Jared Leto. They're gonna kill him instantly. Bing, bing, bang. Method. Anyone can die here. Even Anyone on can set. die here. We're thinking. We're thinking. We can get Alec Baldwin. Oh, I knew. I knew. I knew you were gonna do it. I knew you were gonna do it. And you know what? We'll get Al Qaeda to be the stunt team so they can crash the plane into it too. <laughs> okay. So and the, on the plane will be Jeffrey Epstein and Matt Granning. So they're um <laughs> deleted. So the son, he's got to go into this devil society. You know, we're we're going to move uh-huh. fast here now. And we know all the details, Plessy, but really we're just moving fast for your sake. I appreciate that You're so safe. much. I've got a busy schedule out of me, and you've really talked a lot about other things in the movie this whole time. Yeah, of course. That's just how we work. You know how it works. So they go in. Um, they've got to... Um, they got to try to get to the spinning globe, to the uh, to the portal, you know. Uh, he sneaks his way across. There's a lot of really cool set pieces. It gets really scary, you know. You think he's going to die a whole bunch of times. You think Stark might die in her ship, you know. Lots of things. Bing, boom, bam. He gets into the bam, building. Bam, bang. He gets all the way to the top. You know, he's going to throw his device in there. And then they catch him. And then they, they capture him. They put him in some really scary jail cell thing. We definitely thought this out. Don't worry. We'll send you, we'll tell you about it later, you know. And, I'll be um, real plussy. I don't really remember this part, but we're, I'm, I, I, I'm just as enthralled as you are. Yeah, I, I'm pretty enthralled. All right. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I vaguely remember. And uh, they. He gets taken into jail? He's they capture him. Prison? I don't. Well, they capture him. Oh yeah, him. because that. All right. So let me let me let me pitch the part that I made up because you clearly don't remember it. Yeah, he gets captured, and you know what? Yeah, let's throw in. Plus, see, I love it. I love this kid. Let's throw in a uh, torture set piece in there. They're about to gouge his eyes out, and then boom. Who enters their head honcho, and who is it? Sam Neill from the first movie. We got him back for this one, and he's all scary, and his eyes are gouged out, and he reveals their plan, and he reveals that they already got the machine ready to run, and they're about to run it, and they start it up, and as it's warming up, Sun looks into the puddle thing, the weird liquid abyss-style VFX at the center of the machine, and he sees who? His mom in hell being tortured in such horrible ways that we can't even imagine. And her arm reaches out through the portal. Their loving mm-hmm. connection allows the first recontact to happen. And he goes and, and he grabs it. her arm. And then? And that's what opens the portal <laughs> to hell. Your big family-friendly movie has a great third act that's all about battling hell. You'll love it. It's dun, dun, we can, dun, You can bring dun, church dun, groups dun, to it dun, and stuff, dun, you know? Then they're like, we gotta get out of here. The Marines swoop in. Ba, ba, ba. We get a big action set piece around a tower. Maybe we could throw a sky beam in there if you want. Boom. And they rescue them, and they fly away. 
But just as they fly away, the portal finishes opening up, and the gateway to hell opens above the Neptune colony, uh, the Neptune moon colony. And the ship can't quite get away, and it gets almost sucked into the portal to hell, but they're able to push those thrusters just enough, and they come crashing down on the planet's surface in the desert. Oh! The 100-man crew of Marines is left down to about 75 to 50. And that's going to go way down over the course of this runtime, let me tell you. Because in this so what part, happens next, Max? they're going to have to go into full battle mode. They have to survive. They've been told the next ship can't be there for 50 days. And here's what you're going to love, Plessy. We've got some sequels planned because uh -huh. we're just going to see their first 24 hours of fighting. There's all these, like, zombie devil people. There's literal demons that have come from hell now. They're seeing each other as demons. Everything's an enemy. It's chaos, but it's controlled chaos that you can totally pay attention to. You totally know what's going on. Um, uh -huh, and uh -huh. this is the part that completes Sun's arc where he's like, he's like, it was wrong for me to be obsessed with the past and to think I could fix the past and trying to fix the past and made everything worse. Now I'm trapped in hell, and I have to fight my way out. And, um, and yeah, the, uh... So how does it end, boys? Well, it's definitely because we're trying to set up a sequel, and definitely not because I read from my Sleepwalk book for 15 minutes. Um, we have decided not to have a conclusive ending. We have decided to leave it pretty open-ended. They, they win a little bit of the battle. They get into, like, a bunker. They're hot him and Stark are hiding out and they're like they're like, okay, day one down, fifty-five to go. And uh event horizon three, we're gonna see them uh the, we're gonna see them close the portal to hell. Yeah. It's gonna be like Dune. We're gonna shoot them back to back, but we'll pitch you that one another time. I'm gonna use my Harry Potter time turner that I have. Alright, a froze time. What if we come up with the? What if instead of the artificially imposed time limit on this, we actually come up with an ending for our movie? Because I feel like we could do something. Like I feel like this is pretty rock solid until it just kind of fizzles. Like they got to close the gateway at least, right? Like how? Okay, so the obvious thing is they got to close the gateway to hell. Um, hey, Plessy, um, tell you what, I know you might not be a fan of it, but I did just get a subscription to this streaming service called Peacock. Oh, Peacock, yeah, and me they too. have. A really cool show called The Office. Do you want to go, like, watch a little bit of this episode called Dinner Party? Uh, I guess a little bit of oppositional research. Couldn't hurt. Okay, cool. We've, we, we've lost it. we got, like, ten minutes to crack this ending. He'll get bored fast, but, yeah. Okay, so how how are they going to close this portal to hell? Um, I think he, the only way to close is from inside for some reason. I think that's just a good rule like he's gonna have to make it maybe it ends with him stuck in hell what if okay <laughs> this could be stupid and corny so he opened the gate to hell through an act of love what if the way you close the gate to hell is he has to commit an act of hate what if he has to fuck his mom <laughs> that lesson was gonna pitch it's like he started it by like grabbing his mom's arm now he's gotta fuck her uh, that's really that's really scary. It is pretty scary. It's uh, it's and we have to we have to make it as scary as it was to those those naive audiences in the nineties. You know now people are so. I don't you know, we gotta... we're gonna get a good cinema score of <laughs> if we end it with him having to fuck his mom. You want to pitch that to Plessy? Is that you use your time turner to 
I think Plussy, there's a 50-50 chance Plussy would be into this. I don't know. I'm just reading the room, getting a vibe on that guy. I was going to um, I was gonna pitch way less crazy. Um, I was right, just going to be like, it. what if he's got to push Sam Neill into hell? Like, he's got to, like, he's got to fully destroy Sam Neill. There's no balls to that. What if he's got to just... kill his mom? Can he kill his mom? I don't want him to. He's got, yeah, that could be a good scene. He's got to kill his mom. He's like handed like a horrible like spear, hell spear of hellfire or something, and he's got to stab her. He's face to face with Sam Neill. It's just like a dramatic standoff mm-hmm. dialogue scene. What if she and kills he... um, Stark? What if it ends with him becoming, yeah, what if it ends with him becoming Sam Neill? It ends with him becoming the devil. Yeah, he closes the portal, but now he's got the visions. And he's the new Hellraiser of Event Horizon. Yeah, so he closes the... I What I'm pitching is his mom has escaped through the portal now, too, but actually she's a demon. You know, she's, a cra- she's as bad as any of them. Um, and as they're trying to sneak their way back in, because he's like, I think I can hack it. You know, I think I can close it through hacking she is the one that kills Stark, you know, because she recognizes her from the ship. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then in a final showdown, he has to kill his mom, and that actually ends up closing the portal. This feels lame. This feels dumb. What if, from their perspective, we're in hell, and we see it through her eyes, and we're demons to her? No, that's stupid. Okay. Um, yeah, let's do it. I think that's great. I don't know. I don't think it's great. I think it's, uh, the, um... the, the thing, I mean, the thing that I, I get, I guess I have, like, in the moment of these shows that always frustrates me, and I always know it's like, oh, we could do better. I know we're smarter than this. Like, we're, we're usually coming up with, like, good ideas for the time limit. Like, in the, in the moment, I'm like, I know if we could spend, like, a week on this, or even just... A couple more hours on this, we could really have something really fun. We'll do our um, we'll do our ex- exploration of how we think we did in uh, in a second. Once Plessy's after we pitched the ending of this to Plessy, okay. I think. Um, Sorry. Okay. What about this? What if it's what about like, this? What if it's like he's having all these visions? He kills his mom. I don't think that closes the portal, but I do think that finishes his arc. He has to kill his mom, and then so put her out of her misery. And then he's like looking out at like the hell that's just bo- opened up onto this moon. What if he just makes the choice like hell is better than this and he goes into the portal? And that's something like that is the end of the movie. And that closes it? I don't know, man. I'm... We need some kind of cliffhanger. It's like, yeah, he makes a choice. I like the idea of him going into hell. He makes the choice to go in and that closes it but it leaves something open for the next one. As I think we're trying to franchise this. I think Plessy's going to want that. Uh, what if... I don't know. It's... Okay. I think we kind of got it. He's got to go back in, and it's going to end with him choosing hell uh, and like taking Sam Neill's hand, basically, and going into hell world. And we kind of leave it open that, like... Maybe like the hell door closes, but like we kind of like zoom out of like a overhead of like this the the Neptune colony, and it's like still like covered in like hellfire and like demons and shit, and it's like boys, oh boys, hey Plessy, welcome back. Thanks for uh, you're out of time. Thank you for watching uh, a little. <laughs>
your voice your voice got a little different uh um i'm still coming i'm i'm like 30 feet away but i'm coming down sorry i laughed at your voice plus it's it's just so different oh there he goes stomping stomping on towards us here he goes um all right I've made it. Okay, Plessy. So, yeah, thanks for watching that episode. Plessy's my name. Boobies my game. And now I love the office. <laughs> well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not, not going to be very helpful for what we're going to pitch. Um, so, we've got an ending for you. They're going to close the gate to hell, but there's still a cliffhanger. Don't worry. Um, That's good for season two. It's or it's a movie. Um, <laughs> I know you love The Office, but it can't can't all be seasons. <laughs> so uh, yeah, basically we're saying you know you know how he opened the gate to hell with an act of love. He's gonna close it with an act of hate. Just before you really don't like this, I just want you to know that my co-writer Sam pitched that he fucks his mom. <laughs> um, I see where you would have that idea. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think you're using your full brain power there. Plus, I think your new voice, uh, the plussy I knew, the, the talk like this, the talk like the, the plussy that oh, I. Oh yeah, I remember my original voice. That's weird that plussy <laughs> could talk at the same time in two voices. Uh, Dude, that's why it's called plussy. There's there's plus of him. He's an extra. Uh, but instead, we're gonna have him kill his mom um because she comes out as a demon and it's the only way um so uh so he does not fuck his mom <laughs> he doesn't no it, uh, okay i'm so on for the ride okay <laughs> so he kills his mom doesn't fuck her really wanna really wanna be clear um he not even a hint of it it's not, not even first base you know maybe insinuate like it could be implied he fucks like her in undertones. a way because that's up to the director that's up to paul anderson it's a, he's he's probably gonna stab her you know and that's you know that's definitely with like a cool like spear maybe he could spy stab her in the crotch and make it kind of kind of edible or whatever like really scary shit the 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 just so you know, Plessy, I'm going to talk to the audience here because we record all of our pitch sessions and put them online. The audience couldn't tell that I was really cringing at that because I don't <laughs> like that idea. I, 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 it's scary. It's event horizon. They're like literally fucking each other as they torture them on screen. It's like this is part of the text of the piece. I agree. From what I understand about this film. That would be right on par with the course. You sound more like say. Dracula every day, Blessy. Um, you're... It's because I watched the Office Halloween special. <laughs> that's, uh, that's spooky of you, you know? It's, Bold uh... choice of you to put that one on, Max, but I guess he, you know, that's... You know, I guess I, I, some of those are good. I wanted to get him more in Dwight's the mood. Dwight's a Sith Lord. I wanted to get him more in the mood for, uh, for our hell stuff. Oh, I'm in the mood. I I think did you did you uh the water that we put out for Plessy Sam did you uh did you put anything in it to, he, he seems a little more intoxicated himself much like you 
<laughs> I'll be real, man. Me and Plussy were cracking with some tall boys in the bathroom, just kind of shotgun and shit. When did uh, that happen? I've been talking to you the whole time. You edited out the part where we walked away. It wasn't in. It didn't make it to the uh, edit. I would so edit out the part it. where I wouldn't be included. You didn't invite me for the tall boys. Plussy said, "Well, I won't speak for Plussy." Look, man, you got a bad vibe. I don't. I don't roll with your vibe. Yeah, I'm a bad vibe. Sam's vibe is much better for the tall boys in the bathroom. I, I, is there anything I could do better? It's a, you gotta have better picture ideas. I this one has no ending. I feel, and I want I feel an like that's also Sam's pitch. fault a little bit too. No, I was telling him in the bathroom. I had like five endings, and you kept saying not good enough. Did you tell no him good. one of them was fucking his mom. I did, and he said it was understandable. I thought it was understandable Talk as about well. How yes, I can't I... imagine a good version of that. How, how would we see him fuck his mom? We'd do it tastefully. You know, we kind of like, we wouldn't show penetration. You know, it's not a porno. Where it's do they have smut. sex? Where do they have sex, Sam? In, in like Hellfire on Neptune. Yeah, in Hellfire on Neptune, that, that clears for me as an executive. See, he, plus he gets it. I gotta be real. My, I, I'm realizing that my feelings have, I've, reached the point in this bit where I'd actually feel like I wasn't included in a hang <laughs> and now I'm like kind of getting sad <laughs> it's kind of bumming me out look man like if you work on your personality and stuff maybe you'll get more invited this to more is... more uh, bathroom style tall boy hangs with the execs but Sam's just kind of a social butterfly who's really fun to hang out with and you just don't got the sauce boss Okay, well... Dude, that was pretty brutal, Plussy, but Max, I gotta say... Max, I love you, I love hanging out with you, but I just don't think you've got C-suite energy, you know what I mean? And I've got that C-suite energy. All right, well, um, yeah, so he's gonna kill his mom, or he's gonna push her... Oh, look what she did, Plussy, yours He's gonna yelling. push, she's... he's gonna get... Got, hey, 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 Maxie, listen, kid. Yeah? I was once just like you. Sad, lame, <laughs> decrepit, pathetic, no good ideas. But you know what? I got better, and now I'm the CEO of Paramount Plus, and that's why they call me Plussy. What did you do <laughs> to get better? I cracked open some tall boys with my boys in bathroom stalls, and I made all the difference. I don't want to get better if I'm not invited. Well, I'll invite you next time, Max. You and me. That's it's not nice. the C-suite. It's not the C-suite, yeah. Okay. Well, he pushes, he goes into hell, oh, and he uh, he sees some visions. Uh, I, I'm a little nervous What if he fucks his mom? He fucks his mom. Okay, yeah, he fucks his mom. Oh, now we're cooking with gas. It's really fucked up and scary. And so here's what happens, Plussy. He fucks his mom. And he's a changed man, and it's really scary and fucked up. It's like kind of A24 vibes, you know? Have you ever seen one of their movies? Uh, have you, Plussy? Oh, yeah. I've seen a few of them, you know? Sometimes I like to go into the bathroom in between and crack some tall boys with, uh, <laughs> with the, the most pathetic person in the room. I like to make them think that... They're the special one, but it's really because I, I feel pretty bad for them. It's a lot like a Make-A-Wish Kid kind of thing, you know? <laughs> it's like... Well, Plussy, I would uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself in today's modern uh, political economy. Uh, but I hear what you're saying. 
And uh, I will work on myself in that way because one day I want to be just like you, Plessy. Um, Are you going to have to stop eating so many hot dogs from 7-Eleven or at least not get them delivered to your house? See, I just feel like in the world of this story that doesn't even check out, like how would you even know I ate hot dogs, Plessy? Oh, you know, the the world gets around town, you know, it's in the trades. You guys are the podcast too. Oh, those trades, the deadline, yeah. Variety was saying that... uh, Oh, we made it to Variety? That's huge. They were saying that... that... Anyone getting a deadline. (laughs) Um, well, thanks, Plessy. I guess we're gonna end it with fucking the mom. Um, he fucks his mom, the portal closes, we leave room for a sequel, a threequel. Okay, if it does well, well, great work, boys. I'm going to head out now. Hey, Plessy, I'll see you Thursday. Hey, I thought we were gonna keep that real quiet. I don't want Max to know. Oh, well, guess what, Plessy? He's coming too, right, Max? Yeah, I'm really excited, aren't you, Plessy? You know what? That takes balls. Uh, bye, boys! I, um... Wow. Whoa, that was tough, man. That was we, a... were, we were hanging by a thread, yeah, I but really, I we can't, pulled it off I can't in the last act. I have the incest bit, but that, that's really what got him. You know, it's, it's you know, you, you've been on porn sites. That's kind of what's in the air these days, so it makes sense. What do you mean? Like incest stuff. I don't like it. I don't even watch it, but it is in the air these days. Mm. Dune kind of had that going on too, you know, and everybody's trying to make Dune now. Elvis had that going on. Yeah. You haven't been Elvis pilled yet, but. uh, Not Elvis pilled yet. I got to watch that one. Maybe watch that after this. It's in the air. It's in the air. That was a. What a. What a show. What an episode. And uh, I remember. the two hours I got to live before right now when I uh, <laughs> didn't feel like a social outcast on my podcast with one other host. I really, uh, it's really took it to heart, it's, man. It's really, oh, uh, it's a, the imaginary it's, scenario. It's a startling thing that I could foresee myself like going to cook dinner after this and being like, wow, they really didn't include me. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it takes it takes a while to make some friends. Just, he really called you a social butterfly, you know. Like I'm the producer, you know, so I really think of myself as more the like kind of social one, you know. I think of myself as. Oh, it's funny because I know you're playing it up because it's working, but like I also know this is coming from a real place, <laughs> and I feel bad. I was like, in the, on the show, I was legit. I was like, oh, I went too far with that bit about him not being included in the beer hang. We'll exit on those words of wisdom. Um, until next week, uh, we have the podcast too. This is podcast two, the sequel. Thanks for checking us out. Please like, subscribe, comment, do all the things to help with the algorithm because. Uh, Clearly, I need some uh, social classes, you know? I need to learn how to make some friends and network because Sam's climbing the ladder, and I am still uh, way down at the bottom. Thanks for checking us out. (laughs) Similarly, (laughs) Dr.